Welcome to the Defend the North podcast. I'm your co-host, Dana Eisfeld. I'm joined tonight by Cousin Isaac. And Isaac, the Timberwolves are at the top of the town or the bottom, depending on <laughs> which game of the series that we're watching. And they're certainly going to be the uh, central figure in tonight's podcast. We've been talking a lot of uh, NBA basketball the last few pods. But I thought we could start out tonight. I, I wanted to do a little bit of a... We have some other sports teams in town that are... <laughs> Um, doing okay, you know. Yeah. Currently, the, the you know the Minnesota United taking a couple of games, and the Minnesota Wild are in prime playoff position in the Western Conference, and the Twins swept a series over the weekend, won a crazy game last night, and <laughs> the Vikings are drafting tomorrow night, first round, yeah. uh, number yeah. twelve. So, I thought before we get into the Wolves, which we're going to spend the majority of, of tonight's time on, I'm just gonna i I wanted to have like one take with each of those teams. And without any studying, any research, what's your rapid fire reaction? All right. <laughs> so we're going to start with uh, hockey. 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 Yeah. The state of hockey. Um, uh, we haven't talked about them a lot this season, but we probably should have more because your Minnesota Wild are going to lose in the first round of the playoffs. Ooh. Hot take, cuz. All right. We have three players in the top 30 in scoring. We have the most wins in franchise history. We have the most points in franchise history. Kaprizov is number one all-time in single-season scoring. Fiala just passed Koivu for number two all-time in single-season scoring. And yet, we're going to face the St. Louis Blues in the first round because of this effed-up NHL postseason hockey seeding. And we're basically it's going to be a two-versus-three seed in the Western Conference in round one. And I, I, you know, there's a really good chance we don't have home ice. Um, and, and the blues have been, you know, along with the avalanche, our kryptonite. So I just, it's the best team. It's honestly the best regular season team in, in, in Minnesota wild history. And there's a good chance they're going down in flames or in blues. However you want to look at it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, that's definitely a really, really poor matchup to get right off the gate. That's for sure. Um, I mean, I feel like the hockey playoffs are kind of like that though I feel, I feel like it's kind of you know pretty bad right off the bat so um who's, who's to say that if we played another team it'd be any different but wouldn't you say we're kind of like i mean we're kind of rounding into form yeah we just lost to what was the arizona yeah but, we had a poor game last night but they, that snapped a, a 10 game streak i want to say of 13 points where we had scored basically um we've gone unbeaten um this team's been a little bit streaky, you know, all throughout the year. But I just the, the long and short of this point is that St. Louis is a tough matchup for us in round one, and I'm not sure we have our goaltending all the way figured out. I mean, we did, of course, get Flurry, um, and you know, we still got Talbot, but you know, integration is a really big part of it, and we're still pretty, you know, our our, our power play can come and go. But we do have three scores in the top thirty, and I was looking at the NHL scoring leaders last night. Um, with Zuccarello and with Fiala and with Kaprizov, three of the top 30 scorers in the NHL. So mm. this team should make noise. That was just a take to see if I could get a reaction. All right, take number two, Isaac. The Vikings, of course, um, with the NFL draft starting tomorrow, round um, rounds one, right? And then Friday is two, rounds two and three. Sounds about right. And then the last uh, four rounds 
the the rest of the draft will be happening on Saturday. The the Vikings, after having finished uh, seven and ten last year, have the number twelve pick. Mm-hmm. The consensus is we're going to draft a defensive player. I'm saying we're going for a receiver. Yeah. I I I would probably be in, in agreement with you, except that I've heard uh, through the grapevine that the wide receiver coach is like, do not draft a wide receiver whatsoever. Um, and he basically like poured out this pretty uh, elaborate speech, I guess, to make them look in another direction of more need. So um, I don't know how much weight that has, but uh, kind of cool to hear it and also hear that uh, Quasi kind of like that has weight with him. So um, and that's the kind of stuff I he's kind of mentioned that he wants to hear from his coaches and people around him. Um, so I'm going to say that is false. I think we're going defense. I really do. Defense needs the most help. Maybe offensive linemen. Maybe, maybe, maybe. But I think we're going defense. Okay, so two thoughts on that. One, I mean, throw teams off the scent. Like our internal guy says, no way, we're never going to do it, right? And then, of course, that's exactly what you do. But why do, why do we need a wide receiver? Like, who's in our wide receiver room? Uh, well, we have Adam Thielen, who we huh? don't know where, what the future is with him. I mean, he's, he's, he's been around. good. He's around. He's, around. he's here. K.J. Osborne. Okay. I think he's. I think he's a solid. I mean, I think he proved last year he's at number three, and of course we've got one of the top two or three receivers probably in all of football with Justin Jefferson. Yeah, I think the big I, question is Adam Thielen and depth at that position, and like how hard it is to find that. And so if you got an offensive coach and Kevin O'Connell and a guy that you know wants to move the ball up and down the field, you got Cooper Cup and you've got um, Odell Beckham, and you know you want weapons and you know maybe that's Thielen but maybe if you can get a guy that's on a rookie contract for four years at value and you know our defensive line pans out which protects the corners a little more I'm just throwing it out there rapid fire reaction cuz yeah I just I just think if one of those top uh defensive backs are there at 12 I think it'd be stupid to not take one of those just with the need and the fact that they're like the talent's there. Like if, if if the kind of the top guys are gone there, then I guess I could I could maybe see if there's a wide receiver's like the next best talent. Like you, you gotta have that conversation of what's the best talent you can get at that at that position. So like, okay, I get it. Like if the defensive backs that were maybe on their radar are gone, maybe we'll go wide receiver. But I just think if if the right guys are there on defense, I don't I don't know why they wouldn't pick defense when that's where we need a lot of help. Okay, ready for my next take? Let's do it. Byron Buxton, your AL MVP. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I'm I'm completely in. I think when he's healthy, he's he's right there, uh, and he proved it last year. I mean, well, when he was healthy, of course, but then the injury bug. Um. So yeah, when he's healthy, I think he's one of the best best players in baseball. I hands down agree. I was reading an article. It might have been actually um, ESPN's league or lead article uh, midweek on ESPN.com, I should say, in terms of war. There yep. are there are three there are two players in three seasons that have a war above ten that are still active, and you know who they are. So two so two guys. One of them did it twice. Mm. Is Trout on there? Trout's on there twice, and the other guy. Has played on both po- both coasts. 
Uh, Mookie Betts? That bingo. That's what it is. Oh, um, and so what the 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 art what the um, writer on ESPN was positing was that per game, Byron Buxton actually has in the last I think three years the highest WAR per game on average. Hmm. So all he would need to do if he continued at his current pace, and I think a lot of it has to do with I mean he's a five tool player, but his defensive what he does on the defensive side of the ball. Um, I think they were saying if he got to 130 games at his current level of production offensively and defensively, he would have a shot to get at like 10, 10.0. Yeah. And, and those other guys were talking 150, 155 or more games. And he's already missed with what, six or seven with an injury. Yeah. But boy, when that man is on the field, is he a difference maker? Yeah. He came back with fire with that walk off home run. Just that blast. I think it was like the longest home run of the year at, at this point, right? Or something like that. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. Um if he plays 135 games, is he is he does he have a chance at MVP? Uh, not looking at the stats of previous MVPs, I would say yes, but I don't know what the what the game marker is for MVPs if they, like they need say 140-ish plus or I don't know. I don't know what that looks like. I would say 130 for him is a miracle and I would say yes. It's got to be in the conversation. It, it's changing though, because right, like just as in the NBA, like like the bottom lines, like what fifty five, and like Durant played right around mm. fifty five, and I mean, granted, yeah. he, he he didn't win it. Um, Jokic got it for the second straight year, but you know, because of the way that they're just you know managers are managing workloads. I yeah. wish, well, I don't actually wish this because my workload's fine, but <laughs> I, I kind of wish I could just take days off every three or four nights. You know, yeah, wouldn't be, that be great? Just be <laughs> DH, like hey, hey talk to my team at my company like hey you can call me from 10 until 12 and then if it's really really important you can call me between two and three but not before or after <laughs> load management just, load just management the, wrong profession dana you should have just uh you should have went ahead and did did some baseball you that know maybe your, that was your calling card right M- monday's off friday afternoon's off like <laughs> how do you expect me to perform long term with that level you know if I don't have an ability to manage my my my, my stress, like I uh, love it. All I, right, I, I would back this any day. Like three day three day work week. Come on, I don't what know. Do I, I sign myself? I don't know. I, I I could see a four day work week. Like I could in the future. Um, but I, honestly, my wife made a really good point. She said it's really hard in a four day work week. Like you almost feel compelled to work harder for those 10 hours. And it's like, it's almost mm. better to like spread it out and have a little bit more flexibility um, mm. and, and to get your work done. So I'm just, you know, and we're, I'm so used to it. I'm not saying I'm against the idea, but I'd have to try it on for size for sure. Um, <laughs> just to make it clear, I, 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 I take calls all day long. Um, <laughs> all right. My final hot take, Isaac, the Minnesota United are going to finish in the bottom half in the league in goals four and still top five in the West. <laughs> what is this, a take on, like, history or what? <laughs> I'm not saying all my takes had to be hot off the press. I'm just saying this is... Oh, man. Um, I want to go against that just because I think we actually have a bit more of an attack. Um, with Amaria in there and just kind of the, 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 the change of pace. Like we have Dunlady who can come off the bench and, oh, this other guy's name, I can't pronounce his name. He's the South African on our team. 
Uh, Can you try? Would you for the I, audience? Give I us don't a... even have it in front of me, but it's like how long? I don't even know. Wow. Um, actually, let me pull it up here. I wanna I wanna attempt to uh, pronounce it. It wouldn't be a segment on the Minnesota United, even if it's a brief one, without us trying our best, but probably murdering a player's <laughs> name from a country outside I'm, of the U.S. I'm just gonna pronounce it exactly what it looks like. Hlong Wayne. Hlong Wayne. Hlong Wayne. Yeah, he's uh he he provides a good spark plug off the bench. I know he started a bit too. Um, but I I just I don't know. I I think for this team. To really take the next step, they're going to need that attacking force. And as long as, you know, Amaria's in there and if he keeps, like, building that chemistry with Reynoso, um, I'm I'm thinking we're going to see a little bit of Molino-Reynoso action. Um, so, so if, I'm playing if for you could, it. if, you know, based, you know, we haven't talked much. We had a little bit of a segment on one of our pods earlier on about the, the United, but we're going to be really dipping into the Twins and United probably over the next few months. What would you say for those fans out there that maybe are casual Minnesota United fans or just haven't gotten into the season yet because there's so much going on right now? The Timberwolves are actually playing into April, and the Twins have started, and the Vikings have a new administration and are, and are drafting um, tomorrow, Friday, and Saturday. What would you say to, to those people about how this team, this Loons team that plays at home in St. Paul at Allianz Field is different from maybe ones of the past couple of years? Yeah, I mean, I think it's the kind of unknown with the attack. Um, some some games they can be like pretty, pretty great and and find the back of the net quite a bit. Um, but I think they're still growing that chemistry there. Uh, I I, don't, I wouldn't say they're like at this point a ton different. Um, I think they're still pretty defensive led and it still builds out of the back for them. Um, but I think as Renoso grows and grows uh, with the chemistry wise with like Amaria and some of these new guys and. Um, Kervin Ariaga is going to have a bigger role with Tassani Dotson out. Um, I just think we're going to see a, a lot of like more like energy on the attack. Not to say that's going to lead to any many more goals at the beginning, but as that chemistry grows, like I think I think we could have a little bit better of something here. I just I just like Amaria's ability to be in the right place at the right time. Um, he's normally has a really good shot on goal. <laughs> Almost every game, it's just a matter of can he keep his composure in those games because um, he he can net it. Um, so we well, know Reynoso is Reynoso, and yeah. are you saying that Amaria is our best forward since Kevin Molino in terms of a two way attack? Yeah, I, I think so. Yep, I, I I don't think they've put it together yet, um, but I I do think talent wise it's there. Um, he just got has to keep a cool head and he's got to stay on the field. Um, it's like so Carl Car- 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 Anthony Towns like? Uh yeah. Yeah. Well <laughs> Yeah. I'd say maybe a little bit more of a gamer than Carl Anthony Towns, but uh Yeah, if you want to make a difference in terms of uh winning player, like you gotta be playing. That's a big part of sports. Yeah. <laughs> so well you heard it here, folks. Isaac says that this this Minnesota United team, if we play defense in in, in our um you know, our goalkeepers are as good as, as they've been the last few years in the depth on the defensive line. You know, we, there's a good chance this team could really make a run in the Western conference. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think they'll be good again. Like their, their defense is the same, which is, which is awesome. Their offensive has been like up and down. So it's kind of cool to see like the, 
the inconsistency on the offensive side not really leading to a lot of um, poor results. So if that offensive side can get consistent and build that chemistry, like I think this team could score more than the bottom five in the league or whatever you said. At the beginning. All right. Well, with that, Isaac, I think we can move on to our main segment tonight. We've talked about uh, four of the sports teams in town. I'd like to be able to tell you that the, the Timberwolves are the talk of the town. <laughs> and I wouldn't be wrong in saying that, but I think, I might be saying it for the wrong reasons, but I want to, I, I want to, um, I want to ask you this question. If two weeks ago you and Elon Musk had jumped into a rocket in SpaceX and flown into space, you know, and spent a couple of, maybe you did a little flyby the international space station, helped out with a couple of experiments, sure. saw how, how the, how the astronauts were doing, you know, maybe brought them a little, little stuff from planet earth. Um, then you guys took a couple trips around planet Earth. And then Ta- you're like, you talked know about what? buying Twitter. Yeah, no. Maybe, <laughs> maybe he needed to process a big change in his life. Like, what do I do with this $44 billion sitting here, Isaac? Like, let's talk about that. I don't want to be connected to anybody, right? And then you, you, you get back down to Earth. Elon's like, okay, Isaac, I made my decision. I'm going to buy Twitter. We need to go back to Earth and make this happen. And you get back. You land. And you hadn't seen news for two weeks. And the Timberwolves had not only qualified for the play-in tournament, but had beat the number eight-seeded LA Clippers in the first game. And now, on Friday night, we're about to host game six against the number two Memphis Grizzlies. And you had seen nothing happen since the end of the regular season. How would you feel about that? Oh, I'd be ecstatic. Would you be posting on Twitter? Oh, probably, yeah. My my buddy Elon, yeah, we'd we'd be getting that going, for sure. Yeah, no, I mean, that'd that'd be like, I mean, I've already, we already said at the beat, like at the beginning, like a few podcasts ago, or even at the beginning of the year, like making it to the playoffs would be great. Anything that we do beyond in the playoffs is like a bonus. So the fact that they didn't get swept in the playoffs is like, let's go. But when do when do I find out details? <laughs> well, I just gave you all the game logs. Now, now, now you have all the information about what's happened in this series. Yeah. How do you feel now? Um, less, less pumped, but still, I would say generally happy with the way things have turned out. Um, I think we're, I think we're really hard on this team. I really do. Um, now should we have won this series in five games? Yeah, we probably should have. Yeah. So, I mean, they, they deserve crap for like what, what they, what like allowing Memphis back in and blowing these huge leads, like. I'm not saying like they they should have allowed allowed them to come back in and that sort of thing. But like this team we thought would barely make the playoffs and they here they are like going up against the 2 seed and looking like at least for 3 quarters looking like the better team. And I would say they're the more talented team. Um but a lot of dumb mistakes in the fourth quarter. I, they just I don't know, they can't put together a game and finish it consistently like there's been uh, a couple games that they've done well with and they finished it out but it's like i don't know i'm not sure if we have the the right guys for it at least not this year but i gotta say it's still great like we made it i mean it's game six like we've taken two games from the two seed like why are we not happy about that (laughs) 
Well, I think it, it, I can speak for myself. It feels like I got absolutely gut punched <laughs> last night and in game three. Yeah. And, and, and I get it. Like, you know, we're home on Friday night in game six against the number two seed with a chance to even up the series at 3-3. And at that point, I mean, if that were to happen, then it's a game seven. And even though it's in Memphis, it's a game seven. Like, mm-hmm. I'd rather have home court in game seven, but anything can happen in those games. And I, I, if I take the long view, you're right. Like, if I'd spent two weeks in space with, with, with Elon Musk and had come back down to earth, I think I'd be pretty happy with where we are right now. It's just been so gut-wrenching to watch this team come so close. And then when it matters most in the playoffs, you know, in the third and in the fourth quarters, when you've got strong double digit leads Mm -hmm. and like last night, like 11 point lead going into the fourth quarter in the modern NBA is pretty erasable by any team. Like with the way that teams shoot three pointers and just, especially with two young teams that I think what I found most interesting about this series is that, Neither one of them have really been able to establish an identity or impose themselves on the other. It feels like two teams, two adolescents that are really in a in a rock fight. As 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 we talked about in the last pod, just yet I come away from these games that we should have won. And I'm just like, we've been to the playoffs two times in 18 years. And to, to be on the precipice of knocking off a two seed, even though we've done much better than expectations would have suggested we could have to kind of fall short in those key moments and to be the butt of all jokes on NBA Twitter and TNT and like to watch this team. And, you know, are they growing up before our eyes or are they growing down? And I, with Ant, he's young enough, he's going to get a free pass. But what about with Cat and Delo? Let's start with those two. So who shares a bigger portion of the blame, um, in terms of the, at least the two collapses in games three and game five, in your opinion? I mean, I would say it's probably Cat, based on his performances and fouls. And I mean, he's he's the big guy that's supposed to be leading us. Um, I don't know. I don't. I don't really feel like like Delo's had a moment or two that he's maybe could have done better. But most possessions, I'd say, are in Cats and in Edward's hands or just not in Cat's hands period because he's not on the court. Um, I think he's the biggest issue with kind of the way this team has performed along with all the jokes that follow the team. Cause you have like your best player on the team, your all-star who a can't stay on the court in big games and still complains to the ref and whines. And then like, in a couple games too, he doesn't even like perform when he's on the court. So it's like, okay, man, like, what do you, like, what are you gonna do here? Like, are you gonna step up and lead the team, or are you just gonna continue to be a whiny baby and you know, not be like a leader on the court like this, you know, like this team needs? Like, he's the guy that I mean, he was our best player all season long, right? Yeah, I don't. I mean, I mean he's the best I'll, basketball player on this Timberwolves team. Outside of outside of like what two games you wouldn't know that in this series okay so let's say that we throw out the play in game because i you know and and like if we're just talking about this series so game three i mean one for the ages in terms of like cats inability he he has what a total of we were at that game we were at that game with that 26 point lead in the fourth quarter or in the third quarter and 
two 20 point leads um, in the first and second halves. And he ends up with eight points, three or four shooting, I think five fouls. He didn't foul out the way he did in the playing game. Um, so, you know, he can't stay on the court. Five games into the series, he's averaging 35 minutes a game. He's averaging 22 points, and he scored, despite that eight-point perform, eight performance in Game 3, 28 points in uh, three of the last four ball games, And his splits are 56, 41, and 87. And he's getting to the free-throw line. So, I, you know, that Game 3 performance, like, there's no excuse for that, Isaac. But in terms, he has showed up, or he has shown up in the game since. And he's been in foul trouble, um, but, you know, I think that he's shown me, like, especially, like, even in last night's game, he played pretty well. Yeah, but he's he had seven a, turnovers. He, he had seven turnovers. Um, One but in the last, like, two minutes of the game. He did. That was and really so bad. It was. He dribbled it off his leg, didn't he? Yeah. And so, like... Yeah, so if I look at the playing game in game three, I think undoubtedly the answer is Towns. But I, I think my, you know, and in, in just watching these games, the eye test, for me, it's Russell. And this is the thing that I hope, because Russell, all season long, every time I've doubted that guy, he's come back and he's had a stretch of games where he's just like he did in the playing game when Town was followed out and was 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 irrelevant. You know, it was him and, and Edwards, and really it was it was it was Russell, the guy that I think got us through the playoffs. He's averaging he's shooting twenty-five percent from two point range on eight attempts per game and thirty-two percent overall. And yeah, he scored it's eight attempts. Eight attempts. Like that's, he's making, that's like nothing. That's like a bench player. But thirty-two percent from the floor overall, twelve points or less in four of the five games. And I mean the eye test is ugly. Like they're throwing Desmond Clark against him or i'm sorry um brandon clark desmond bain dylan brooks like their wing players are really athletic they're tall and they're strong so what does he feast on his ability to, like to like herky jerk himself into the lane where he can get enough space to get up a shot in three pointers and he's been doing okay like he's been a little hot and cold in the series in three pointers but he's not getting that herky jerky game in the paint. And last night, like talking about Towns dribbling it off his leg, how about that shot with like 15 seconds left? Yeah, that where, was bad. Where D-Lo decided, and I know he's been clutch all year and he hasn't played well in this series, but he decides he's going to go one on one against, was it Brandon Clark? Or no, it was Desmond Bain, a guy that he should be able to get by. And just like he can't, he can't get space against these guys that are more athletic than him. And maybe, maybe he's overmatched in this series. And Towns, has lost his composure. He hasn't controlled his emotions. It's gotten him into foul trouble. And it's a much more visible scar if we look back on this and wonder why we couldn't win this series, if that indeed happens. But I think D'Lo, like, I'm like, man, you won me over. Because I was a skeptic last year I was, when, we, and when we traded for you. And I was a skeptic most of this year. But he's kind of done enough just when I doubted him the most, which is what gives me hope for game six and seven, Isaac, that D'Lo yeah. can step back and be the guy that he needs to be. Because here's, here's, here's what my biggest concern is. And I'll let you respond to this. There is no hierarchy in the last five minutes of this game, because I don't know if Ant's too young or if his knee is too injured or if he's just too deferential to towns, but he's not, he'll take some big shot. Don't get me wrong. Like that, 
shot they drew up for him when we were down three last night was beautiful. He takes it in the corner and nails it, but he's just not asserting himself in the last five minutes of the game. Towns yeah. doesn't have the game to establish his own shot. In the flow of the offense, or if he gets a three-pointer open, he can certainly be a producer, but he's not going to be that guy. And they've shut D'Lo down when it yep. matters most. And so that's what I worry about going into game six and seven. Like, can we compete with this team? Yes. Are we better than them? I think we're the better team, but they close better than we do. Well, do you think they're actually the better team, or do you think we're the more talented team? I think the Wolves are the better team. I do. Top but to how? bottom. I mean, they've, I think they've proved it in this series they're not the better team. They're definitely more talented, but they're stupid. They do a lot okay. of stupid stuff on the court. Okay, Chuck. What I'm do you serious. got for us? No, 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 no. You're right. I, I don't yeah. disagree with this. So, like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't call them, I wouldn't call them to be like dumb as a box of rocks or anything like that. But like, they definitely do like a lot of stupid stuff that like leads them to lose because they are way more talented. Um, but I just, I don't know. I, I still think it's Cat because like in the in the game, uh, game five. Um, Jaron Jackson falls out, Triple J, with like. Uh, I think it's just under seven minutes left. Okay, so they bring in a backup big, which I know this guy has given us problems all year, but Brandon Clark, undersized big. Big hustle guy, undersized. But he's not even on Cat. Who's guarding Cat for the last, like, six and a half minutes? Um, it's uh, Brooks. So, so, like, a two or a three is guarding Cat in the last six and a half minutes. How many times did Cat get in the post in the last six and a half minutes? A big fat zero? Big fat zero. Not one time did he try to post up. And when he did try to post up against Brooks, he's getting pushed over. I thought we were talking about Cat, how he's strong enough. He has four fouls at this point. I, I could understand, okay, if he has five fouls, sure. He doesn't want to, you know, rub noses with Brooks because he doesn't want to get that last foul. But he has four fouls with, like, Six and a half minutes to go, and he's got an undersized guy in him, and all he's got to do is get in the paint and post up. He's good in the he's good in the post. He is. He's got a nice little hook shot. He's like he can work in the post. When you got an undersized guy, you got to work those mismatches, and they didn't do it one single time, not once. Yeah, Memphis is in in their head. I think like you know like. They have the length and the athleticism to throw at D'Lo, and they've got Cat. They've just come at him from game one with intensity and pressure, whether the guy's 6'6 six, six, or he's 6'11. I, like, I don't get why. Why does Cat play worse with undersized people on him? Because like, you throw out Steven Adams out there, and Cat has a field day. I think he has a harder time getting around them, and I don't think in the post, while he does have some good moves – He's just as like he's even more liable because when you're in the post, like there's guys all around you. So if I'm Finch and he's got two fouls in the first and a third in the second and a fourth in the third, like I want to keep him away from the action as much as possible just so I can keep him on the court because his three point shooting at that point is his primary asset to this basketball team, even if he's seven feet or six eleven. He just I I don't know. Like I think slower, bigger, slower guys. Even he, he himself is lumbering and long, so he can usually make a move or two around those kind of guys, and and get to the basket and do one of his like up and unders or his scoop shots or as kind of like his baby hook thing. 
But I think against guys that can like hold their presence in front of him in terms of their footwork, then he's got to rely on his size. And he's not good at that. He's not good at using his size to his advantage. He draws fouls all the time against against smaller players, especially smaller in height, but still very strong and that can kind of muscle up against him, even though he is stronger. And as you said in, in our last podcast, maybe the one before that, like it's just so easy to call fouls on him because he does so he he like lowers his shoulder all the time when he shouldn't. Mm-hmm. He like he just takes angles that makes refereeing pretty easy against him. And so if I'm Finch, I'm like, just keep this guy in the perimeter and out of the action. So we're just going to chuck up threes all game. And if they go in, great, we win. And if they don't, then I guess we're just going to blow another huge lead. Well, that's what I've seen. D'Lo can't get his shots off off in the paint. And Ant, again, I I think with Ant, I think it's an injury. I think his knee is limited. He's been okay from the three-point line. And his stats aren't bad. But he's not, other than game one, he hasn't. And this is what I was saying for the last six weeks of the season. Like, and you know, in game three, he went out. Like, I think you and I were at the game. We took a bathroom break in the second quarter and he got hurt. He yeah. ended up coming back. Game four that we won, you couldn't watch it. And I'm like, man, Ant's out. Like, I see, like, it was the middle of a, like, he like caught the inbound ball and like gave it off to one of his teammates and just like walked off. Yeah. And I thought he was done. He came back and actually ended up having a pretty good game in terms of shooting, but. I don't know. I I don't think we can win this. This to your point, if Cat's going to be a three point assassin alone, and D'Lo can't get his, if he gets his shot going, we'll we're fine. Mm-hmm. But if he can't get his shot going inside, you know, the arc, and if 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 Ant's a little hobbled, you know, especially with the way that Memphis, the number one offensive rebounding team in the in the league, is been rebounding against us and the way we've been turning the ball over, I, I I can't see us holding a lead and there's no hierarchy in the last five minutes because of those conditions. Right. That's like the poorest part. Yeah. We don't even know who's taking the last shot and it shouldn't be D'Lo if he's not, if he's not out in this series. Like I, I mean, I don't really, I don't really blame him for that. I mean, it's a terrible shot, but I don't blame him for our loss because of that shot he took. Like there were so many other instances, like all the offensive rebounds we gave up. Um, There's also like two other shots, like Edwards had two three pointers that literally like went in and out. And if he hits both of those, we win the game. So again, we're just like, we're living and dying by the three, which is my only issue of sitting cat outside on the perimeter, especially with undersized guy in him. But I mean, that is a, it's a solid point with, you know, he does pick up a lot of falls with that. I just think if he's never going to learn how to, post up a smaller player then like what's the point well if you're a little banged up and you know like they seem to have the right guys for um D'Lo and Cat just doesn't have the composure emotionally to like avoid that foul trouble there's your recipe I mean and, and again you know in the offensive boards and the turnovers but that's it I could handle losses but man games three and five have really gotten me like last night I sat I literally I just the kids were in bed. My wife was upstairs. I, I watched the entire fourth quarter by myself. <laughs> I just turned the TV in off. Tears. <laughs> and, you know, I knew we had the pod tonight, so I was going to need to do some research. But I just sat there for 45 minutes. You know? Yeah. And I mean, I'm, I'm pretty emotionally invested in this team. But I'm just like, okay, so is this, is this a version of us growing up? Or is this just another chapter in Minnesota sports history? 
And that's where I'm torn. Because I think we can win game six. I do. Especially at home. I mean, it, it, could, it could be just another Minnesota team. You're right. <laughs> Very I'm just, I like, I don't know why I, I feel so like, like, yes, I feel disappointed in game five, but I don't at the same time. Like the fact that we made as many mistakes as we did, we gave up as many offensive boards as we did in like closing out the game there. And then we hit that big time three. Thank you, Ant. The fact that we were just in that position tied with like whatever seconds left like to me was impressive um we can mess up that much and still almost win the game and you know what we we really should have take, taken that to overtime but ant just made a really poor 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 choice and he owned up to it um so i'm hoping in that you know in that situation again he's not going to try to give john morant the wide open lane which is like the one spot you don't want to give to john morant he is what, he's like the best. He's like the best guard in the in the paint. Yeah. Like yeah, if anything, no. if anything, make him shoot a three. Like I don't even care how hot he is. Like make him shoot outside. What was there? Three seconds left. Yeah, I'm not. I, I can't quite remember. A few but, seconds. So if he stays yeah. in front of him, and Ant has the athleticism, probably even on that knee to stay in front of John Morant, like make it difficult. He probably pulls up for an 18 foot jumper, and, and maybe he still has it. Hits it. You know. Doubt it. Right. John Morant with a hand in his face on the perimeter does not make very many shots. Right. I mean, he did make that big jumper to go ahead, but he was wide open. But he's just yeah. – I, I here's the thing. Like, this is the kind of the, the – you know, he had a big game. He scored 13 points in the fourth quarter last night. Like, that, guy, that guy's a gamer. He probably had the dunk of – Oh, my gosh. <laughs> that dunk was insane, yeah. <laughs> I mean, his dunks always look better because of his size, right? Yeah, but man, but I mean, kind of the like the reason we're still in this series is because we've contained him, and yeah. there's a lot of limitations to his game with a good defensive team. And the Wolves are a pretty good defensive team. Like yeah. he can't shoot. He's a, I know he's 75 percent from the free throw line, but he's had stretches where he's missed four, five, six shots in a row. So when he goes to the free throw line, especially late in the game, I'm like, he he can knock two down or he could miss two. I'm not I'm not like deathly afraid of him. Right. Um, and we've stayed in front of him, you know, and I, I know he's gotten loose in a couple of stretches, including last night in game five, but I'm just like, like, like you can kind of see how a guy that is his stature as he gets deeper into the playoffs and maybe, maybe because last night he really went off when Pat Bev fouled out of the game. So maybe yeah. with, with, with Pat Bev and then you got, you know, um, Jaden McDaniels on the wing and you got Jared Vanderbilt, like we've got the size to throw at him in terms of help defense that um, with the primary defender, like this maybe is a really bad matchup for him. And that could be it too. And even so, like I, I'm his performance has been pretty commendable because he's averaging like what 21, 10 and eight. So what I like mm. about John Morant, like I think offensively, I wonder what his ceiling is in the playoffs and his ability to carry a team. Because I think if you throw tenacity at him and a little bit of length on the wings, because he can't shoot. So you can play him for the drive virtually every time. I think you can slow him down. But what I love about him, man, is that he still figures out ways to impact the game yeah. in, in you know, winning basketball. Right. I, I love that about Ant, too. Mm -hmm. But I just, you know, like he's been kind of a non-factor for really long stretches in the series. And yet they're still ahead 3-2, which also speaks to their depth and to our stupidity. <laughs> or that Desmond Bain is just the next best thing. 
<laughs> just yeah, give, that, give that man the ball behind the three-point line, and that's all they need. <laughs> but I kind of think, like, in part, Desmond Bain is a really good player, and in part, this is the game plan. Like, we're going to sh- contain Morant, Morant, and then if, if, if you know, um, Desmond Bain, and he's been incredible. He's been a, he's been, he's been a revelation, actually, in my mind. Yeah. You know, but if, if Dylan Brooks and, and Desmond Bain and Brandon Clark are going to beat us, I guess D'Angelo Russell and Anthony Edwards and Carl Anthony Towns can't bring it together. I guess that's the series. Yeah. Because we've done we've done the job on John Morant that, that we wanted to do. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. I mean, outside of the game last night, I feel like we've kept him very contained. Yeah. All right, well, let's take a short break, Isaac, and come back, and we'll finish up the podcast talking about the the prognosis for game six and seven. All right, Isaac, so we're back from break, and the Timberwolves will play the Grizzlies in game six in Minneapolis on Friday night with a chance to force a game seven. If they win that game, what are we talking about afterwards on Timberwolves fan line? <laughs> Wolves in seven, baby. <laughs> I mean, it's probably gonna be it's probably gonna be Ant Edwards Ant Edwards' emergence, I would say. Um and Cat Cat's probably gonna have to be dominant as well. Um so I think it's gonna be a matter of like can cat can cat truly lead this team to a series win? Um, alongside with, uh, is this, is this Ant's team, you know, like, or, you know, is Ant truly taking hold of this team now? Um, did you see his tweet that he put out? Like, I don't know if it was last night or this morning. Um, I saw a tweet. What did it say? Yeah. Yeah. You would, you would ask me that you would. Well, if you bring it up, that's kind of my job, isn't it? As co-host, <laughs> I know I wasn't I wasn't searching fast enough though. Um, you said the pressure is on, time to shine. So we'll see what we'll see what he's got. I mean, I I think Timberwolves uh, Timberwolves social media said it best. You know, di- diamonds are made under pressure. So let's see if Anthony Edwards turns into a diamond here. Well, I, I'm not ready to call this Timberwolves team a diamond. All right. No, not the team. No, no, no. Right. no like, no. like they're lucky if they're a ruby. <laughs> Can you at least make it like a sapphire or something? So it's the right I color. I just, I just look, look. I think you're right. Like, I think if 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 on Friday night we're contemplating the game seven in Memphis, I think we're cleaning up the fouls a little bit. We've got to stay out of foul trouble. It's plagued us the entire series. I was looking at the stats for, and this I I have a theory, like, um, not that our teams have been in round one where I paid this much attention because we've made it two times in eighteen years, but um, <laughs> there's like six to seven more fouls per game that are being called in this series um, versus regular season games in the NBA, and I think the intensity ratchets up as it should in the playoffs. Right, guys are playing harder, and I don't think the refs have adjusted to it. I, I think it takes yeah. them a series to kind of get used to playoff basketball. So they're kind of calling this um, version of basketball the same way they do in the regular season, but with, with the added intensity. It's just, and I, I'm not even saying like the the, the 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 refing has been the reason why the Timberwolves are down three two. 
Oh no. It's just yeah. it's it but it but it has been like this undercurrent in the series that just keeps coming up. And if I'm a Memphis fan, I'm as as in up in arms as I am if I'm a Timberwolves fan. So I I, I hope maybe they can kind of settle in and just call a good game and that foul trouble doesn't come up unless people are doing really stupid shit like Carl Anthony Towns, number one. Number two, either D'Lo and I go back to like my 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 um prediction before the playoffs even started, you have to have against the number two seed in the West, a really good game. In addition to Carl Anthony Towns staying on the floor and playing well from either D'Lo or Ant or good yeah. games from both. Right. Yep. Like, but it's gotta be one of those two things. And they haven't put that together in this series very often. And then, you know, I think like the offensive rebounding, like Memphis is just a really good offensive rebounding team. And like they're going to force turnovers, and so you can live with some of that. But you know, we we grew up in Game Four, and this is another chance for us to grow up again. And I would love to see the Timberwolves win Game Six and and force a Game Seven, and like really get some good playoff experience. Yeah, yeah, that's going to go a long ways. Um, it talking about fouls though, it'll be interesting. Do you so? Do you think the uh, pendulum swings back over to uh, our side of things? Um, cause we had our game game four that coach Jenkins got fired, uh, fined for because he thought the refing was the worst refing he's ever seen in his life. Well, he didn't say life. He said NBA, NBA career, but whatever. And then he got gifted this last game. Not why we lost. I wouldn't say why we lost, but I think it was like a, what? 10 foul differential. Um, well, game one, we won. And I think like the Memphis had a plus 16 free throw differential. So right, I just, right. I just I'm just I'm just saying like Coach Jenkins got his wish this last game, but now does it since it's going back to our place? Are we gonna see those calls come back, or what's what's gonna happen there? This is my biggest wish that they just call a good game. Yeah, and then that be nice. Fouls don't play this like disproportionately important role in terms of like who is on the court and who isn't. Now again, if players are doing things that are obviously like fouls, like like but. I just think that they need to like let more go. I really do. Not mm-hmm. a lot more go, but maybe like twenty percent more go because it's the playoffs and there's intensity and and part of that is the players adjusting as well. But I just I haven't gotten like game to game in this series. It's been Jekyll and Hyde, you know. And it's like as a player that must be entirely frustrating. Like we're minus sixteen, we're plus fourteen, we're mm-hmm. minus twelve. Like you don't know how the games are going to be called. So. That's what I'm hoping for in terms of the refereeing. Not that like I think I blame them for the Timberwolves' woes. Just that mm. can you can you call a game consistently and can you match the intensity of the playoffs in terms of how you call it? That's what I want. Yeah, love it. Yeah, it'd be nice if the refs would just like not have like not not go on a power trip. You know, like the refs are meant to be there to kind of like you know mitigate the game and make sure it doesn't get out of hand. But like I feel like sometimes refs are like. I'm going to make a show out of this because I'm on TV. And it's like, brah, like we're here to watch the players, not you. So yeah, call fouls that are necessary, but don't think you need to make like a big stink out of any of these calls you call and like, don't try to take over the game. Well, the only counterpoint to like your point and to the point that I made would be that these are two young teams that haven't really figured out that adjustment yet in terms of like, how you play like Jaron Jackson and Carl Anthony Towns being like the, the classic <laughs> examples. Like they just, you have to yeah. have more situational awareness. So the p- part of it is on the players too. 
Okay, my last question for you. If on Saturday morning we are waking up to the reality that the Timberwolves have been beaten in six games and the Grizzlies are moving on to round two, what are we talking about in terms of why, what went wrong last night? Have we blown another like 20-point lead or was it just hard fought? Great. Isaac, that's for you to decide. That's why I'm asking <laughs> you this question. Uh, I mean, I think it's hard fought, like, I don't know. It's 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 what can this team bring next year because we we didn't really expect them to win the series going into it. So um, the fact that they pushed it to six games is a really good step in the right direction. Now there's a lot of red flags that can be thrown up. Like if we blow another twenty point lead in this next game, it's going to be okay. Like is this on coaching? Is this on? Is this just the players' mentality? Like can we trust Cat? Can we trust D'Lo? Um, you know, what does that look like next year? Like, do we keep them around, um, when we know that, you know, they don't really hold down leads that well. Um, but I don't know. I just think like we should, we should definitely appreciate what they've, what they've done so far. I know maybe it hasn't been pretty, but the fact that we made the playoffs, you know, for the second time in the last 20 years, and we also pushed a game more than, I mean, more than five, more than five games. Like that's, we got to be happy about that, right? Like that's a good step in the right direction. Yeah, there's certainly, there's certainly some things to build off of and a lot of things that could be improved. But you know, sometimes, (laughs) sometimes in order to understand who you truly are, um, I believe it was Julius Caesar. If not him, it was one of the Roman generals um, that in order to like know who you are, you have to basically have a spear at your throat. Hmm. And that's game six for the Wolves on Friday night. So, you know, if they respond, and you know what, if if, if Memphis outplays us and they just, we'd play well, but they play a little bit better, I can swallow that. Mm-hmm. They did not outplay us in game three. They did not outplay us in game five. It wasn't about, in either of those games, in my mind, about Memphis's comebacks as much as it was about the Timberwolves' collapses. Right. So, yep. I agree. I, I think we're going to find out on, on Friday night, like which direction, like I can, I can stomach a loss, but I, I don't know if I can take another double digit lead going into the fourth quarter where we, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Tw- Twitter, uh, Timberwolves Twitter might actually like burn down if that happens. So let's, uh, let's hope for everyone's sake, everyone's sanity, the fan base that it's at least a hard fought loss and not a colossal collapse again. Well, let's hope it's a win, but if it's going to be a loss, let's right, hope it's a right, hard right, right. loss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Isaac. Well, with that, as you always do, would you be willing to do us the honor and, and take us out tonight? Definitely. Thanks, you guys, for listening. Cheer on those wolves. Let's get in seven. But wolves in seven. Wolves, wolves in, in seven. seven. <laughs> All, right. All right. Well, you guys stay safe out there.